0: 17th century as an adverb in the sense of elsewhere from Latin elsewhere the noun new dates to the late 18th century elsewhere is where I live and where I travel through the gloom and between the moments I visit places people and occasionally things I listen to their dreams their desires and I keep their secrets. And yes, sometimes I am their excuse. Hello, and welcome. Today is May 7th, Thor's Day. A time for intentions of power, wealth, success, money, business, and legal issues. It is also the full flower moon in Scorpio, a time for workings involving loyalty, revenge, passion, control, competition, mystery, and sex. But this day is also presided over by the demon President Morbas. He uncovers secrets, both heals and curses, but he also helps you in studying the mechanics of a thing and helps you retain knowledge and see the truth in a situation. As you may or may not know, tonight's moon is the last supermoon for 2020. Being a child created by the union of a Scorpio and a Leo, I can tell you a few things about these polemic signs And the significance of the last supermoon of such a young yet contentious year, being in Scorpio, is not lost on me. Passion. Mystery. Control. Revenge. These are just some of the qualities of Scorpio that draw in unsuspecting prey, as was the case of a client I once had. He was born and raised in Australia, and went to school to be a white-collar professional. But while he was still a relatively young man, he became restless, and his desires brought him to the United States. His work while in Australia, combined with the money from his family, allowed him to move about the U.S., looking for that which would make him whole. And it just so happens that he found it in the American Old West the horses, the way of life, the wide-open spaces. He fell in love with all of it. It was just unfortunate for him that he had been born into the 20th century, where people traveled by car and plane and wore tennis shoes. However, to borrow a phrase from him, no worries. He would soon find work as a hand on a ranch in the Northwest and would spend the next few years moving between ranches in the mountain states, learning how to ride, rope, and drive cattle, along with spending many months camping out on the open ranges. Soon he would not only look the part, but he did his best to sound like the men he worked with. As a result, by the time he came to my tent, he was an unusual man in both appearance and manner. He was dressed and I am not exaggerating when I say this, exactly like Woodrow F. Call, with the exception that he, unlike Woodrow, wore a very expensive hat that was known as a cow cunt and sounded like Paul Crocodile Dundee Hogan if he had been given Novocaine and told to impersonate Matthew McConaughey and dazed and confused. Side note, if you don't know who Woodrow F. Call is, Google Tommy Lee Jones and you'll see. Also, if you Google Crocodile Dundee, please make sure that you include Paul Hogan in your search, or you will be taken to a scary, dysfunctional world. In addition, if you aren't aware of Dazed and Confused and or McConaughey, make an individual consultation appointment with me ASAP and include both in the question and or concerns area and we'll get you fixed right up. Now, when G, we'll call him G, when G came to me, he was no longer working as a ranch hand. Nope. He had given all that up to move a little south and become a Jeep tour driver. I know. But before you call bullshit, you need to know that the company that he drove for insisted that all their employees dress in period western attire, complete with spurs, so it wasn't really such a big stretch for him. Oh, and I forgot to include that in addition to mandatory period dress, drivers were required to wear a holster with a sidearm. You may be more familiar with the term handgun, revolver specifically, and it was this little detail that had created an uncomfortable situation for G., he explained that his employer had recently added an entertainment portion to the tour in the form of a live gunfight. His character was the good guy, and he won the gunfight, a fact he was very happy about, but he was dissatisfied in his performance of his role. The problem was that the bad guy he had to fight was a much faster draw than he, and no matter what G did, he couldn't get faster. This had annoyed his employer to the degree that they were considering making G the bad guy so the audience could be amazed at the speed with which the other man could draw his gun. These were the circumstances that brought G to me for advice and possibly a spell to make his opponent lose to him legitimately, if only once. Now, I have to pause for a sidebar here. I realize that many of you listening have probably gone on vacation, and during your vacation, you may have encountered or even enjoyed a tourist area. However, in my experience, not many people have lived or worked in a tourist area. So it is for you that I include this little bit of insight. It is a universal truth that if you live year-round in a tourist town, you, one, learn how very small that town is. Two, Surrender any and all anonymity. And three, learn everybody's business, even if you don't want to. With this being the way, it just so happened that the fast-drawing co-worker G was referring to had also visited my tent. Unlike G, he did not come to discuss work. No, like many Scorpios, his focus was on a personal matter, and he was oblivious to their employer's frustration, and G's anxiety. Knowing it would be both a professional and personal faux pas to mention this to G, I made an effort to calm and refocus him, and I asked him when he was born. His answer confirmed what I suspected, and I tailored my responses to be appealing to an intellect-based air sign. We discussed the responsibilities of his job And where they fell in order of level of satisfaction or dissatisfaction. We discussed his other co-workers and management and how they ranked as colleagues and likability. Finally, we discussed the personal and social parts of his life. And I had to admit that the man's life was on a fairly even keel. Professionally he was in a good place both in job quality and financially. He negotiated his co-workers with the skill of a practiced lifetime introvert. And he had a female friend that he socialized with, but neither seemed ready to move to a romantic plateau. But all of this good news presented a less-than-ideal situation for helping G. He was an air sign in the grips of what he considered a simple chess game, and until he found the move that outsmarted his opponent, he would continue to obsess. G's intellectual ego demanded that he crush his enemy with a move that they never expected and publicly legitimize his standing as the superior gunman, tour driver, and man overall. He was killing it in every other aspect of his existence, and anything less than total domination would not be acceptable. Yeah, it was like that. So, things being what they were, I proposed a plan in which the compromises for G were relatively little, but made him the winner to all involved. Since the employer wanted to dazzle their paying clients, and Scorpio was very busy with things more important than being star Jeep tour driver, I suggested that G arrange a meeting with them both, and proposed that during the gunfight scene, let Scorpio do his fast draw thing and appear to dispatch G. But just when both the tourists and Scorpio were assured of G's fate, G would raise up, being only wounded, and get the drop on the bad guy, saving the West forever. As comprehension dawned on him, G's eyes lit from within. He was very into the plan. He left thanking me, and as I prepared for my next client, I hoped that things went smoothly with all involved. But, as humanity would have it, soon G was sitting in front of me once again. I asked him how things had gone, and he dismissively assured me that the plan we had discussed had worked just fine for a while. Then there had been troubling feedback from the tourists. Why didn't the good guy just outdraw the bad guy instead of playing dead and shooting him when he was off guard? Since he played dead and shot the bad guy when he wasn't looking... Didn't that make him a coward? That wasn't the way it was supposed to be in the westerns. Now I have to add another sidebar here and share with you the premise of this gunfight scene. The fight happened at a historical homestead that was the destination of this particular tour. During the busy season, as many as eight tour drivers could arrive simultaneously at the site Previously, this was the time the drivers used to stretch their legs while the tourists looked around the homestead and hydrated with the ice water the drivers carried in coolers that were strapped to the front grille of the Jeeps. It is also a fact that all of the drivers were male, except for one. Naturally, the owner, in all his entitled and capitalist wisdom, came up with the idea that, just like in the movies, the bad guy had at some point taken advantage of this lone, helpless female, which is code for rape, and at the destination homestead, the good guy that was G not only finds out about the crime, but confronts the bad guy Scorpio, resulting in a gunfight. So, when G and I discussed this at his first appointment, it didn't occur to either of us that the audience would be sticklers for Hollywood trope. We thought they would be more focused on the violation of the lone female Jeep tour driver and the man who dispatched her rapist. How silly we were. Regardless, the feedback and comment cards had been effective, and now G's employer was back to suggesting that he be the bad guy and Scorpio the man who outdraws and permanently silences him. The best laid plans of mice and men. Now anyone with even the tiniest ability to read body language would have been able to tell that G was upset. I knew no matter what other approach I took and what I suggested, there was only going to be one thing that G would accept as a solution. He was here for a spell. One that would make him the fastest gun and the best man and he didn't care how the spell achieved that goal. If it hurt Scorpio so he wouldn't be at peak performance or magically negated G's laziness about practicing and gave him the dexterity and muscle memory to do what he hadn't been able to do before, so be it. Whatever it took. Whatever it took. Watching the red flags waving, I retreated. I gave him my condolences, but let him know that I could not in good conscience cause harm to another when there were alternatives available. I suggested that he take a couple days off, if possible, and take some time away, and become a bit of a tourist himself. Reacquaint himself with the sights and the things that had made him fall in love with the West in the first place. Perspective was what he needed, not a spell to cause harm. He wasn't happy, but at that moment, there wasn't a being walking the earth that could have accomplished that task. If his employer had changed his mind, called him up and told him that the gunfight would go on as it had been, movie-watching tourists be damned, G still wouldn't be satisfied. The damage had been done, and in his mind, he played the comments over and over. Liar. Coward. Bad guy. Before I finish, if there is one thing you take away from this true story, let it be this. Never underestimate the ability of a competitive perfectionist's capacity for self-destruction. For if you do, destruction has no conscience and doesn't give a damn who it hits. I didn't hear from G. after his second session. I saw him around town, usually met with a curt nod and nothing more. I did, however, take it upon myself to speak with Scorpio when I saw him in town, just to give him a heads-up that his good friend, yes, they were actually close friends, was having a bit of a rough time, and to keep an eye out for careless mistakes he might make while driving or maybe while holding a gun during a gunfight. Scorpio looked at me, letting the surprise show on his face for a moment, then effortlessly letting it go placid, only a drop of the eyes and a jut of his jaw to show me he understood. But the seed was planted, and a tense energy soon floated between the drivers of the tour company, some completely unaware of the cause but taking appropriate action nonetheless. Eventually, G. settled into a familiar, unassuming, but taciturn demeanor, performing his job like clockwork. He seemed to settle into his bad-guy role with little fuss, shaking hands with Scorpio and all the drivers present after each performance. The day it happened couldn't have been a more unlikely day. The weather was pleasant, and the crowds were manageable. Several gunfight tours had been performed to the enjoyment of the onlookers, and the day had settled into the downhill slide toward quitting time. Every Jeep was full as it pulled into the parking area, and the riders climbed out, getting a drink. The scene started with a fake argument between drivers at the Jeeps when most of the tourists had made their way to the buildings. Every participant in the fight had done the performance countless times. They knew the blocking like they knew the trails, and followed its choreography like a dance. So when G pulled his gun out on Scorpio and fired, all the performers stumbled. There was no way to hide that something bad was happening. But instead of Scorpio falling to the ground, it was G that dropped his gun and let out a terror-filled scream. If you are of a certain age or are fond of westerns, you are probably familiar not only with gunfights, but also of a totally Hollywood western movie gag known as fanning the gun or fanning the hammer. It's done by pulling the gun out of the holster while using the heel of the hand not holding the gun to quickly pull back the hammer. This is called fanning and outside of trick riders and cowboy movies, the technique was not used in gunfighting. The reason being that you were more likely to miss the hammer spur entirely, and if not that, then you would likely only fan the hammer part way back, the result usually being the tender flesh getting caught between the hammer and the firing pin, causing the gun to be unable to be fired until the fanning hand had been dislodged. Trick shooters and stuntman actors had a secret they used to enable fanning that the average moviegoer or TV viewer didn't know about. Extended hammer spurs. The bigger size made an easier target. Unfortunately for G, he himself was an ignorant moviegoer, and outside of his experience as a jeep-driving cowboy, he had no experience with firearms unlike his friend Scorpio. In the days before G's failed attempt, he had casually inquired about quick-draw shooting of Scorpio and done some kind of research on his own by renting old movies. He had gotten enough education to be dangerous and came up with a plan on how he could outdraw Scorpio. He had practiced in his room with an empty gun and decided that even with the extended hammer spur... He wasn't accurate or fast enough with fanning alone to get the drop on Scorpio. So to be certain of his success, he would pre-cock the hammer on his gun, and when he drew, he would make the fanning motion to create the illusion that he was lightning fast. However, he failed to account for two things during the actual execution of his plan. Adrenaline and live blanks. Blanks or blank rounds are a misnomer and insinuate safety in a situation where there is no such thing. Blank rounds are just as explosive and potentially lethal as what is known as live rounds, with one difference, the lack of a projectile, aka the bullet. Let me digress. In 1993, actor Brandon Lee was filming a scene in a movie that would be known as The Crow. In this scene, he was to be shot with blanks, which is a prime cartridge containing gunpowder but no projectile. Instead, due to the negligence of the prop crew, when the gun went off, Brandon grabbed his torso and collapsed. He died several hours later. Why? Because the blanks discharged a non-bullet projectile. Coming back to our story, by the time G had arrived at his moment to shine, he had forgotten that he had pre-cocked his gun. When he cleared the holster of the four and three quarters inch barrel of his Colt's single-action Army 45. The first thing standing in the way of the explosion, created by the blank, was the heel of his fanning hand. The explosion tore through flesh and muscle, and all G could do was be helped to a jeep while the situation was radioed into dispatch. It would be 45 minutes before the tires of the jeep he was riding in would hit pavement and another 45 minutes to the nearest hospital. And that was the last of the Jeep tour gunfights. In the end, G survived with some muscle loss, but with a few skin graft procedures, the scarring wasn't so bad, and physical therapy helped him regain some use of his hand. He did have to account for his actions, and there were several court trials, But for all the drivers that were present that day, the hardest part, after the terror of the incident, was seeing G have to explain to his friend, Scorpio, why he did it. So be cautious when in the throes of Scorpio influence, and you think that they are acting aloof. Try to understand You are merely a tourist experimenting with the charismatic passion and mystery of the scorpion. Scorpios are born of it. They aren't acting aloof. They're at home. Somewhere between the mundane and the mysterious, the privileged, and the primitive, the divine, and the damned is the alibi tent.